Hey everyone, this is Jeremy here, uh, post-production. This ended up being our longest episode we've ever recorded. And much like the movie and the book material itself, uh, we figured it deserved two parts. um, Much like the movie should have had, because we didn't want to... We didn't want the episode to seem rushed or anything, so uh, we we split this into two parts, and we also had some (laughs) technical difficulties uh, with our audio. Uh, We decided to record in the same room, and um, just a fair warning on that. It's not too bad, but there might be some echoes here and there, so uh, bear with us on that. Well, uh, without further ado, here's part one. Hello and welcome back to Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the staples of our childhood. This is episode 81, and I'm your host, Jeremy, and with me today is my older brother, Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Quack, quack, everybody. It's good to be back here on the show. Welcome back to another year at Hogwarts. We're, we're not actually at Hogwarts, but we are recording in the same room for maybe the first time in a long time. Oh, wait, actually, we just had a live show. Yeah. So we actually recorded in the same room. But that's this, different. This is different. We're in our own house recording in the same room. We haven't done that since our first ever episode. It's been a long time. It's kind of weird, honestly. Yeah. But is it weirder than us living in the same house and recording in two separate bedrooms? Uh, I think that's definitely weirder, for sure. Mm. <laughs> but I think we're in for a night of... Well-mannered frivolity, because we have a great episode for you today. We're covering Harry Potter 4, Goblet of Fire, and there's a lot to talk about. So this movie came out in 2005, (laughs) and 2005 was such a great year for me. It was was. first or second grade. You didn't think it was going to be a great year, but it was a great year. It really was. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. I loved 2004 so much, and I was genuinely upset whenever New Year's Eve happened, and uh, I threw a fit because I didn't want 2004 to end, because I just knew 2005 was going to (laughs) suck, but it didn't, because we got Harry Potter 4. Um, Charlie, what are your first memories with this movie? Well, um, I pair this... With a specific time in my life in middle school when I was learning guitar, actually. What? It's, very, okay. it's a very specific time period, but it came out in like November 2005. The reason I, I remember that so vividly is because this movie came out the same day as the Walk the Line movie came out. Is it really? Like, they, like the exact same release day. So they were like battling that for the box How office that, that weekend. And Walk the Line was a point of conversation in my guitar class that I was taking at school. We had talked about that. We didn't go see it in the theaters or anything. I think I got it later on, like when it came out on DVD and watched it. But um, I had like just started, I'd wanted to learn guitar for a while. And it just didn't, they didn't really offer it because we were at a small (laughs) private school. And actually I got gypped the year before because I joined... I don't know what it was. It was some kind of, I, I don't know. I guess it was like band or something like that. 
maybe a jazz band or something. And the teacher like was like, oh, well, if you have a guitar, like I'll teach guitar and you can like play that in the band. <laughs> so like I joined it and then he like changed his mind after the fact. And so I was like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. He was like, bro, you are not good at guitar. We're not doing this. I just forgot about this. This was a whole thing. Um, so I, and the reason I, I joined was because I thought I was going to get to learn guitar in that, in that elective at school. This was seventh grade. This was the year before. Okay. okay. Um, and I was upset because I passed on the opportunity to do culinary elective which all my friends were doing. And I like, I wanted to do that. And I like, I gave that up because I wanted to learn guitar. And that's why I can't cook to this day. It's because I missed out on that culinary arts elective. Dude, culinary <laughs> arts elective at that school was the most fun I've ever had at that school. You took it? I did. Oh man. Both times. My two electives was cooking and drama. I didn't know. Did you do the Iron Chef and everything at the end? No, we didn't I do our that. Class. I, our year did. No, I, I, I remember that being a thing. That was cool. Um, no, we just did it. We just like would cook once a week. <laughs> it was really cool. That's what I wanted to Basically, do. Basically, our social studies teacher, Miss Caldwell, shout out to Miss Caldwell. She would uh just find fun no bake cookie recipes on Pinterest, and she would be like, "Let's just make these." No big awesome. cookies every week. Yeah, pretty much. Some type of like cheesecake or something. I was so bummed. I wanted to do that. And everyone talked about all the food they got to eat yeah. and how much fun. And it's like I ended up being in the in the band elective. And like because they didn't have anything for me, they ended up like me and some of like the other like troublemaker kids just ended up like they like made a study hall. And so I had study hall with like three other kids at FCA. I and never, so I didn't even do the band. I never once had a study hall in my entire life. And I was always super jealous of that. Because all y'all had to do was sit around and do nothing. I mean, it was cool. Like, I definitely was able to put off all my homework until, like, the day of. And just do it. Yeah, before. just do it, it was there. Like, it was, like, the first, first or second class after chapel or something like that. That's amazing. Um, so then the next year, though, we got a new math teacher. And he was going to be the guitar teacher do the elective as like on the side so that's when i started learning guitar and then this movie came out and then walk the line came out those were the the movies at the time that's how we got there anyway i have a hard time associating <laughs> walk the line with harry potter isn't it weird <laughs> yeah. um also when i think of this movie i i know we saw it in theaters um with paul and his family i'm sure and but I also have very distinct memories of seeing this movie in not the best quality on our older brother Justin's computer. <laughs> Cause oh, he had yeah. like, he had like, it was, you know, early days of pirating movies and he <laughs> had this on his computer. And I remember like before it ever came out on DVD, I remember watching it on his computer. I was like, this is the life, man. I can watch this grainy footage of this, <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I remember that. That's such a shame, though. Like, this is one of the most beautiful movies to watch. <laughs> to be fair, I did pay to see it. You know, we went and saw it in theaters, and then I watched the. You, you the paid camp and pirated. That's for sure. And okay, I have another memory too of, um, I I did buy this movie. I guess I didn't get enough of it of watching it on the computer because <laughs> I remember like the day it came out, 
um, I asked mom to take us to either Best Buy or Circuit City. I want to say it was Best Buy. Most and likely it was Circuit City, though. Maybe it was Circuit City. <laughs> R.I.P. Circuit City. Um, and I went... I Today's went, episode <laughs> is sponsored by not Circuit City. <laughs> LOL. Uh, I, like, I asked her to like take me there after school so I could like go buy it. Because I had money saved up from birthdays and whatever. And this was the first DVD that didn't come with a second disc. Like a two-disc special edition. Right. They had a separate version. I didn't know that. I just went and bought the regular DVD. And when I got home, I was like, there's only one DVD. What a rip. Like, where's all the bonus features? Was it on the one DVD? No, I don't even think... I, I don't Why even do think they it... do that? Why can't they just fit special features on a first DVD? Well, that, some of them they can because there's not a whole lot. But, like, these movies <laughs> used to have so much, like, hours of behind the scenes. And... This was when they started to do the like the two disc collector's edition, yeah. and it was a little bit more expensive. Yeah, and so I felt like I got ripped off because I, I there wasn't even any deleted scenes on there or anything like that. It was just the movie. Yeah. I was like, "What a rip!" <laughs> do you remember seeing this though the first time? My memories, of course, I do. Okay. Of course, of course. I remember thinking. So I remember being in the theater. And thinking that we're in the wrong movie. <laughs> as soon as it started, all I'm seeing is a snake that I've never seen before and some old man's house <laughs> and some dude wheezing in the background. And as soon as I saw Peter Pettigrew, I was like, oh, okay, we're good. But I felt like I was watching a horror movie in the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, but my first ever memory of this movie was when the announcement came out and like they had a whole website dedicated to the marketing of this movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember we were all in me, you and Paul were in the library at FCA because we were office kids and it's after school and we had to wait around for our parents to stop working slash talking. And, uh, we would just hang out in the library after school and we'd get on the computers, the super slow computers. And all three of us got on the same website because we heard that Goblet of Fire was released or, or is coming out and they had a website. And was it, took it forever to load? Was it the trailer? Yeah, it was or, the trailer and okay. then just like a website yeah. about it. You can probably go on the Wayback Machine and find mm-hmm. it. Um, but all I remember is Paul's computer loaded first and his immediate reaction was like, Oh, what? <laughs> Why do they got to have long hair like that or something like that? <laughs> but he's like, ah, oh, man, they all got long hair. What the heck? Mm. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Mine's not loaded yet. Come on. <laughs> so I was excited because like whole new Harry Potter, whole new era, more action packed. But it's funny because Paul, I mean, I have long hair right now. But also, Paul's one of those guys that grew his hair out frequently. (laughs) Because I don't know if it's something that's just built into like 14 year old boys to decide to like grow out their hair, or if we were just all influenced by this movie to like grow out our hair as like to have like mop top. Like, no, this is a pivotal movie for that. I, I, I don't know. We like, if that's just we were influenced by this movie or not, like I don't know. 
it seemed like everyone at school like started growing out their hair. You know, we get like the wingtips yeah. behind the ears and Ooh. stuff. You know, and just <laughs> I still think that looks cool. <laughs> yeah, all I know the first time I ever was accused of having a mop top was in fourth grade. So the year after this came out. Yeah, I think I think this movie definitely influenced American culture to just grow out their hair. All the kids. And honestly, it wasn't even the actor's decision. It was like a directing decision. Like they made mm. them grow out their hair for this. Mm-hmm. And some of them didn't want to do it. Yeah, I so I heard in like an interview, I don't know, it was one of the kids. I guess it may have been Daniel Radcliffe. He was like, usually after um the movie they tell the kids to like grow out their hair and then they, you know, they, then they have something to work with when they come back and they can style it however they want or they can cut it or whatever. But he was like this time, like we grew out our hair and then when we got there, they're like, no, that's good. And they just left it. (laughs) (laughs) And they were all like, they're like, what? This is not what we want. (laughs) Not at all. Ron had the longest hair for sure. He did. Yeah. It grew quick. I just had to go for that new identity <laughs> um but yeah no this movie was so good i feel like i remember seeing it in theaters and realizing hold up first pg-13 harry potter movie yeah big fan of that but also like super excited that uh it was so like action-packed mm-hmm. and this is the first movie that i've this is my first harry potter movie that i hadn't read it Okay, I was going to ask, because you were talking about, like, oh, I was confused at what movie I was in. Exactly, yeah. Because you hadn't read the book Mm -hmm. yet. Okay. I did right after, but... Yeah, I can't I mean, I guess I had... I definitely read it um, beforehand. Now I can't remember what I've said on the other episodes as to which one was the first one. I think I had read all the books before I had seen any of the movies, so I think that's how it I haven't, because I was, Mm. what, four? Yeah, no, you were lying. And so, as we've established, I was probably didn't have the best reading comprehension yeah. when I did start reading the book. <laughs> That's right. I do remember seeing the movie here and then taking an AR test and failing it because I saw the movie. And this movie <laughs> has nothing to do with the book. This is probably the least faithful adaptation besides Order of the Phoenix. It, the, I think the sixth one is up there too. The sixth one just has a lot of the stuff at the end is left out, I remember. But we'll, we'll get to that one. I definitely agree. This, is, this one has a lot of stuff left out, a lot of like changes that they changed how it went in the book, yeah. not just cutting things out. But... I did have another FCA memory, though, school memory. Um, I guess the year that this came out, you know, mom was a librarian and we've talked about how she would have like a theme for the year. Yeah. She had a Harry Potter theme this year or maybe the year after this one came out. It was around this time. I can't remember. Narnia came out the same year and I remember they had a Narnia. Narnia theme, came so. out my second grade year. Um, I don't remember which year specifically it was, but that was one of the themes that we had was, um, was a Harry Potter theme. And there was a scavenger hunt. I remember that and I couldn't find any of them except Dobby, like I, that's the only one I couldn't find. And it was like a black and white tiny picture taped to a towel. <laughs> and I cheated, and William Hammontree pointed it out to me because he had just finished. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, that's how I finished. 
so I don't remember everything about the scavenger hunt. I know there, so there was stuff around the school, like pictures of things. Is that yeah. how it was? And you had to find them. I and thought like it was just the in the library. Was it in the library? Yeah, just like pictures and like sorting hat and like yeah, you know, there was like forty different things. That was part of it, for. but there was also trivia. There was like Harry Potter. There was questions for a hint, maybe. Well, no, there was like Harry Potter. Like you had to okay. Now that I'm remembering this, I think there was a version for the little kids and there was also one for the older kids. Yeah, I just had to find the things because I was little. Ours was harder. (laughs) Ours had like, it would have a line from the book and you would have to find what page in the book it was in. Book, chapter, and verse, baby. (laughs) And I always think of that. I pair it with this one specifically because the one, like I had everything except for one and I could not figure out what it was. And it took me a long time of just like flipping through all the books, trying to figure <laughs> out what the what the quote was from, which is kind of hilarious now that's that I think crazy. about it, because that's what we do is just like pull out random quotes of movies and try and figure out what it is. Yeah. But it's the line in Goblet of Fire about the moral fiber. I love that. We give him like we're giving we're awarding extra points because of he he showed exemplary moral fiber. And then, like, Fred and George, like, start making fun of them. <laughs> but I, I couldn't figure out, like, from the context what book that was in. And I finally found it scrolling through all 730-some-odd pages of Goblet yeah, of Fire. Yeah, this is one of the longest books at, the, at, at that time. I think I, I, think I might, may have been the first, though, to get the scavenger really? hunt. And I think I got a prize, which was, like, I never really cared about that stuff because it was Harry Potter. It's like, oh, this is cool. I want to actually try just as long as you know that you didn't get the best prize from that library. <laughs> what did you get? I won a book fair, guess the jelly beans in the jar. I was three off. I put, I remember I put 197. And there was 194. Man. Um, and uh, everybody thought it was rigged because I was the librarian's son. Right, yeah. We always had to play it cool. And I was like, how? It was completely taped shut. <laughs> I just spent a lot of time in there counting every single day. But this wasn't the Harry Potter time, right? This was a different one. Right? No, it was just a random, another book fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but they randomly had this like Baskin Robbins promo. I guess they had a Shrek flavor at the time. <laughs> um, and I guess because Shrek 2 had just come out. Yeah. And I won this Baskin Robbins Shrek cardboard cutout, like life size, bigger than me. And it was just a picture of Shrek holding a Baskin Robbins sign and a Baskin Robbins like ice cream cup. <laughs> and that was the coolest room decoration I've ever had in my life. That was. I someday we'll have to find an, a replica of that and get it for our set. Yeah. Oh for sure. I'm gonna look <laughs> on eBay right now actually. Wait, hold up. I think I I think they gave you a prize if you're the first person in your class to finish the thing. Okay. Because I remember winning something. Because I remember I got like a little gift basket with a little uh, headwig, stuffed headwig. That that might be the case, yeah. I remember I got a few different things. I don't even remember exactly what it was. <laughs> Probably some birdie pots, every <laughs> flavor beans or something. How do you, how do you, not, we're not going to rank these movies, obviously. But like, we're going with Harry Potter's superlatives. Yeah. How would you describe this movie as it stands out from the rest? I don't know. This one is very unique, I feel like, compared to the rest of them. 
it's because it's a very it's a, an in between stage between like the the first few and like the later ones that all have like a similar look because they they finally got the same director from five through the rest of the series and so this is like the last one where you have like a, a director with like their own vision and it's kind of a little bit different than the last one yeah i would say this is the most entertaining harry potter movie okay i i think this is the funniest one really a lot of people would say six is the funniest. Six is funny too, but I feel like a lot of the humor is kind of similar to this one because it's they both kind of tackle that awkward um, teen love, teenage romance, you know, asking girls out kind of awkwardness. And so maybe this one isn't the funniest one all the way through, but I do know I, I rewatched all these like several years back and. Just the whole like middle section, like leading up to the Yule Ball and stuff, was just like so. It was hilarious. <laughs> There's a lot of good quotes in there. Yeah. Um. And it was just yeah, it was just a lot funnier than I remembered because I always remembered it as being more of a you know a little bit darker. You know, as, as the series goes on, this is also the the one Harry Potter movie. Maybe competition being the first one, but this is the one that everybody is just like if you're in a group, and they're like, hey, I we watch a movie. Hey, what about a Harry Potter movie? And then someone else is just like, dude, we should watch Goblet of Fire. Like, that's always the party Harry Potter movie to watch. Is it really? Always. I've, I genuinely have been a part of three to four of those in my entire lifetime. Is it just you suggesting that in no, all these groups? I swear. <laughs> happened at FC. Happened when I was like 13. Happened when uh, uh, up here in Bowling Green. I do feel like, you know, if you want to, if you want to just like, throw on one it's an easy one to throw on it's like a one-off kind of it's not all connected to the story going forward as much and and you know i feel like everyone's seen the first two especially the first one like you know so many times it's like whenever you go to like reread a series or rewatch a series it's like ah i've read that first one so many times because i've like started the series before and so it's like oh just let me jump to a random one oh i'll just start with the fourth one dude every time I ever like want to binge a series or something. I always go to season five to see if it's still good at that point. Well, what? no, just because like, ah, oh, I don't want to watch the first season, but I don't want to watch the last season. But like everyone watches the third season of every single thing. But something you've seen before, though, is that what you're saying? Yeah. And yeah. you jumped like, oh, let me just go watch season five. Yeah, no, I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to like, <laughs> oh, let me watch this new show. I, I thought you were going to say it's like a brand new show that got recommended. I'm like, <laughs> oh, let, me, let me go watch season five and see if it's worth my time. That is like the alpha move right there. <laughs> yeah. If it's good enough, it'll be good. Uh, update. I cannot find a single photo on Google Images of my Shrek cardboard cutout. And it's not listed on eBay either. So I'm upset. Um, if any of y'all have ever seen a Shrek cardboard cutout at a thrift store or flea market, please purchase it and let me know. And send it to me. <laughs> but this this movie was, or this book, was the longest at the time. Um, and I remember looking at that, like when it came out, I was like, I'm never going to be able to read that much. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and then when the fifth one came out, we're like, oh! Yeah, I... I feel like that kind of ruined my thoughts of Goblet of Fire for a long time because I felt I felt like it took me a long time to get through it. 
and it just seemed so daunting. And I, I did finally get through it all. But yeah, I it's I found that Goblet of Fire is the one I've enjoyed rereading the most as an adult. And I don't know why that is. I've always thought that. It's just a it's a solid one to just like jump back in and just, you know, just reread. Because I feel like for some reason the first three, like I've just listened to those and read yeah. those so many times. It's like when I get to four, it's always I always pick up new details that I didn't before. No, for sure. I am going to say this here, and I will say this to be marked down forever in history. Oh. Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire is my favorite Harry Potter book. You're not even going to wait till we get through them all again? You're going to call, call your shot now? We'll see. I'll change my mind. Okay. <laughs> no. I toss back and forth between two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Because... I love the Hogwarts time, the ch- the calm before the storm. Like nothing is nothing too crazy is going on Pre- right Voldemort's now. Voldemort's return, yeah, Hogwarts, yeah, yeah that's it's, classic stuff. The villains aren't that serious, but it's also like, here's your experience of going to Hogwarts as a student, mm-hmm. watching these three. Um, yeah, it, I feel like that's the most immersive part. Um, uh, but also the mystery version of this is so much better. What do you mean the mystery version? Like, I had no idea. It blew my mind that it wasn't Barty Crouch. Like, of course he's using Apologies Potion. Oh, like, that's so cool. (laughs) Um, And there's just so many different things going on. The world expands a little bit with the Quidditch Cup and then the other schools joining. Like, I didn't even know there were other schools. I thought Hogwarts was it. I thought you had to be British to be a wizard. Yeah, I, I reread while well, I listened to the book before covering the movie here. So I don't know if we want to just jump into this now. We can like talk about the book and then we can get into the to the movie stuff later. But, but yeah, like you were saying, like this one adds so much to like the world building. Specifically at the beginning, you don't get to Hogwarts until like the twelfth chapter of this book. Like you have so much time before like they even get to Hogwarts. Yeah, of like that's my favorite part. That I, <laughs> yeah, I guess that maybe that's why I like it because all of that was there's so much at the beginning that was cut from this movie. <laughs> yeah, and so when I listen, it's like it's almost like twelve brand new chapters of Harry Potter yeah. when I listen to Goblet of Fire. It's like any time that you get summertime hangs with the Weasleys. Oh yeah, greatest time ever. I was actually this movie this not this movie this book is really hard to get into because the first chapter is so like. Dark that. and like nothing to do with the beginning of a story. I was confused by the first chapter. I was like, I don't really understand what all that was about. <laughs> I don't think it's as bad as Harry Potter 6. Mm. The new minister. Yeah. Anyways. Um, I love that interaction with the Dursleys and the Weasleys yeah! at the beginning when they come and pick him up for the World Cup. I was so bummed that that was cut from the movie. Like that wasn't in the movie at all. Because I feel like that's probably... Probably my favorite, like, Dursley's, Dursley's interaction in all the books mm. is the beginning of this one. <laughs> and, like, it just it just cuts all that. just skips all of that. It cuts out the things that we wanted to see that we were looking forward to the most. Yeah. And it's a shame. And I, th- I think we're beating around the bush. Like, the most tragic cut scene of this entire movie was n- them not including the stinking Quidditch World Cup at all. They said, thank you 
for coming. So much build up. Each and every one of you. And wave your wand and it's, <laughs> it's like over. let the game begin. Yeah. And then the camera zooms out and then it just cuts to the celebration in the in the tents and Ron's like, There's no one like Crumb. Yeah. Who won? Who don't know. Um I think they did that because it they were taking out a very important story arc and plot point for the next build up for the next movie. Which is George, Fred and George betting on this game perfectly with Ludo Bagman, who they didn't even put in the story. And he's, it's not like he's just in that one scene. He's at Hogwarts with Barty Crouch the whole time. So it's like, I love Ludo Bagman's character, even though he's not like cool, you know. But, um, but they left out that whole storyline with those winnings and Harry's winnings of the Triwizard Tournament. That's what funded and invested for Weasley's Wizard Weezes. But, you know. Well, so in the book, they bet Ludo Bagman, and Bagman gives them leprechaun gold, yeah. and it vanishes. Yeah. And so they're like, the entire book, they're trying to like blackmail him for the money. Yeah. I don't think they ever get any money out of him in the end. I think they right. only get the money from Harry, from his, from his winnings. Well, also, their mom wouldn't let him use that money for... Right, it had to be all the under shop. under the yeah <laughs> under her nose or whatever. Yeah, but no, they just oh, we're just gonna leave school. We've saved up to have a whole business and don't explain it. One of the poorest wizarding families of all time opens up a prime location in Diagon Alley. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do think that they did shoot more of the Quidditch stuff. They just didn't. Um, well, they, they didn't, didn't put it in the deleted scenes. Yeah, I don't think there's deleted scenes of it because there's probably a lot of like a lot of CGI and stuff that goes into finishing those shots. So it, it'd probably just be boring stuff. I don't care. Stuff. Give me a blue screen. Give me something. I don't. I don't actually know for sure, but I feel like they did. I don't think that that was intentional. I wanted um, to see Troy Mullet and Moran take over the entire game. <laughs> Who? The Irish Three. Mm. That's Troy. Mullet and Moran. Like, that was such a long chapter. Like, it was so intense. I felt like I was watching the game Yeah, in person. There, so there's a lot of moments in the book that really sucked me in. I think... Was it the Vilas? Yeah, the Vilas for sure. They got, they got me. I was just reading about them. <laughs> and I got distracted. <laughs> Sorry for those that haven't read the book yet. You have no idea what we're talking about. I think... Because I've been I've been trying to listen to them before we record each of these Harry Potter episodes, yeah. and I think this is the first one that felt like I think for the first time rereading these books, they've started to feel like childish to me, especially these first few, like childish in a good way or a bad way. No, I mean not in a bad way, just a little bit more simple. Okay. And this one, just the plot gets a lot more developed, and it it was holding my attention a little bit better. Yeah, all that to say is just I I really enjoyed rereading it. And there's a lot of moments that like sucked me in more than some of the other books, maybe just because I've I've read them before and I've read Goblet of Fire before. But there's like certain scenes like I just felt a lot of the pressure and like anxiety, Harry's feeling of like being thrown into this tournament. Yeah, I've I've always vividly remembered like the night before the second task and he's like freaking out, trying to like figure out what he's going to do to like do the task underwater. and. He's like basically stays up all night. And I just remember that's always like stuck with it. It's like, what is he going to do? I don't know. Yeah. 
there's a scene in the book when um, after he's at the, the prefect's bathroom and he's got the egg with him and he like gets caught in the staircase. Oh yeah. And like Snape and Filch yeah. find him, but he's got the invisibility cloak on. But then like Moody's there and he can see through yeah, the cloak. Yeah, that was the most intense. And it was like, oh, I had forgotten about that whole scene. It's not in the movie. Disappearing step. Yeah. It's like a trick step or something. And you're like, is he going to get caught? Is Moody going to tell on him? Like, you don't know. And I remember that was like a pretty cool part of the book that I liked. Snape was not heavily featured in this. He wasn't, no. There's just like his confrontations with Karkaroff and like his classic like across the room sneer, stare. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I had some, some, some follow-ups to... Mainly our Chamber of Secrets episode. Okay. Because I had a lot of Tom Riddle questions in that. <laughs> and so this one answered like some of my questions, at least thus far in the series. So I can, I can follow up on some of those. Um, just because this is stuff that gets talked about at the end of the book when, spoiler alert, Voldemort returns. Um, okay, I think I had a question as to whether Quirrell was a Death Eater or not. Oh, yeah. The way that it's described in the book is just Quirrell was... Um, because Voldemort does like this monologue talking about like what's happened in those thirteen years since, um, since Harry defeated him. Yeah, you know, in quotes. Um, and it just talks about like Quirrell was like in the area where he had like fled to, and basically he like just he he convinced him or like possessed him sort of like he was very curious. I and I don't know if know if he knew it was Voldemort or not, but basically he wasn't. He wasn't a Death Eater, like, beforehand. I think he was just, like, an academic and got curious about, like, what this magic was that was going on. And then he, like, inhabited the back of his head. So that was a question. Um, But I had a lot of questions in the Chamber of Secrets episode about, like, what was Voldemort's plan with the diary and all that? Like, I think I wasn't sure if Voldemort had told Lucius to give the diary to Jenny and like plant that. And in like his, that, the scenes at the end of the book, Voldemort basically skips from um, the incident with Quirrell and getting defeated by Harry again <laughs> to Wormtail returning to him at the end of the third book. Yeah. Like he doesn't mention any of that. So my conclusion on that is that none of that was planned. That was just an accident that that whole thing happened. Like he had created the Horcrux, which we don't know about yet. And, but I don't know what the plan was to plant that though. Cause that was on purpose. He didn't drop it in her bucket. See, that's what I don't understand. And maybe, maybe it gets retconned later as to he knew about it and it was a plan. But like when Lucius returns back as a death eater at the end of this book, like he talks to him like, why didn't you come back to me? So, you don't get any kind of confirmation that the Malfoys are like in communication with Voldemort. I wonder if he was using the diary to get like, get people to do stuff for him to make people do moves. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, almost said James. <laughs> Cause you just quoted James from survivor 43. <laughs> uh, Lucius. I wonder if Lucius was like, yeah, I'm going to just drop this off from some random innocent kid in Hogwarts because I don't want to be the one to bring back the Lord. <laughs> bring back the Lord. Bring back the Dark Lord. 
So I, I don't know. I basically on how it's written in the book, it just made me infer that like he didn't know about that second year at Hogwarts, <laughs> like that that wasn't a plan to get Harry Potter. Or was it even Voldemort? Or was it just Tom Riddle's memory? Was that just the Horcrux speaking for itself? I think that's what it was. Yeah, I th- I think that's what I I've come to. Unless as I go through and reread these, I find more information about it. Yeah, that's what it seems like. That's that has to be it because like. It's Tom Riddle as a child. Mm-hmm. But then how would his that's memory when, that's know when about he, Harry Potter? That's when he created it. Because Harry Potter's also a Horcrux, boy. That's his brother Crux. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, that makes a lot more sense. Because like Voldemort, present day, had nothing to do with that. Except that he created that a long time ago. Knowing that he would need it. And then... So after thinking about that, the um, the follow-up question I have, I guess we'll see if it gets retconned later, is did Voldemort feel it when the diary gets destroyed in the second book? Like, did he know that he was down a soul <laughs> at that point? That's interesting, because he, it showed him, like, being affected by it mm-hmm. when they were in the Death of Hallows. Yeah. So I can only assume yes, although he wasn't officially back. He was just a little dead fish. I remember that. <laughs> that I remember creepy. that being a comment in the theater. I think fish. Bethany, Paul's sister, said that. <laughs> Looks like a dead fish. Isn't that a Sandlot quote? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Looks like a dead fish. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see as, as like the series goes on if, if they go back and, and mention it that at all, but out. That was some follow-ups to our Chamber of Secrets episode, based on me reading the books. Okay. Anyways, now that we have two more hours to talk about Couple of Fire, let's get into that. So yeah, you were saying they rushed this movie, the, like the first half. Um, I mean, they rushed the whole movie. They rushed the entire movie, but within the first 15 minutes, they had already covered, what was it? Um... Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I think they get to Hogwarts in like the first 12 to 15 minutes. Dude. So it's like they dedicate one minute of screen time to the first 12 chapters. Yeah, first 12 chapters. Well, like one, one minute to each chapter. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> I hate that so much. It just goes by so quick. Yeah, and the Riddle House went on for longer than a minute. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, there's some of it that's not even included at all. So. Dude, Harry Potter wakes up with a scar burning, mm-hmm. and then he's instantly hiking up a hill. Like, Hermione wakes him up, and there's like, Time to get ready. And then they, they all walk up to the hill to some mangy old boot. Mm-hmm. And Cedric Diggory hops out of a tree because he was hunting for deer with Kristen Stewart. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> this is definitely one where they're just like, we know you've read the book. Yeah. Just give us a break on the intro for this one and just, you know what's happening here. But I hate that. I mean... I really did enjoy Mike Newell, his directing style, because like this movie had a complete vibe to it. Yeah, honestly, I enjoy the. Vi- I'm not saying I enjoy the movies more, but I enjoy the vibe of this movie over the first two Harry Potter movies. Ooh, I don't agree with that, but I do like this one. I feel so comfortable with this with this style, because like first two movies, it's just like some weird. I, I associate those with classical music. 
Was it the John Williams? <laughs> we, we'll get into that. Okay. Just like classical music in general. Like, this is yeah. Mozart. <laughs> and we're cooking with gas over here at Gobbled Fire. We're, this is like rock. <laughs> I don't know. We might as well get into the music. Hang on, let's... There's so much to talk about. There's so many things to talk about. Because I feel like a couple things you mentioned there. Um, we might have to do a part two. I keep... Okay, so the director was like Mike Newell. When he, he got on to the, taking over this job, he was just like, there's so much in here. There's enough for like two movies. And, but he had to squeeze it into one. Honestly, that's the one thing that makes me want... I've never, ever wanted them to reboot this series at all. Mm-hmm. Because the casting's so perfect, you can't recreate. You can't. Lightning can't strike twice. Yeah. But I would love an extended, like, chapter by chapter episode. You know. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like boring, you know. Even if it's just a filler episode with Hagrid teaching care of magical creatures exactly for an hour. That's all I want. Taking care of flubberworms. Flubberworms. <laughs> And wiping away booba tuba pus. I was definitely thinking about that in rereading this book. I was just like, like you said, I, I love these movies. And even if they recast it, and I like, I just want to see all the moments I didn't get to see in the movies. You know, it's not about them doing everything perfect. I'm just like, I'm, I think I'm finally open to seeing a new point of view of the books. I'm, I'm open to that. I'm a open new, to a new any, adaptation. I'm open to anything even like a marauder series anything i don't want a cursed child movie no yeah and i'm scared they're gonna make that um but a marauder series or a founder series or just a reboot i don't want to say reboot but yeah uh mike newell is the director of the fourth one and he took over i don't know what the deal was if alfonso Cuaron just wanted to just do one and be done yeah I, that's kind of what the vibe I got was he just wanted to do the next step. And he was working alongside, like he had gotten hired, Mike Newell had gotten hired while he was putting together the third film. And so the story is that like Alfonso Cuaron like showed him a rough cut of the third one. And Mike Newell was like, man, that's what I was going to do with this one. <laughs> like he wanted to be the one to make it more dark and stuff yeah. and like take it in that direction. And he realized, oh, like a lot of the things I was going to do with the fourth one, like he kind of already did. So he kind of had to like pivot like his, the way he was approaching the new one. And he definitely like turned it into more of, he's actually the first British director of a Harry Potter movie. That's right. And so he's like very familiar with like the boarding school stuff. And so I think he leaned into like the classmates and the, the school drama and that sort of yeah. thing because he's, he's British and has that kind of sensibility. But I've seen in betweeners. I know what goes on. <laughs> No, I also I feel like Mike Newell gets a a bad rap because he's probably he's viewed as probably one of the worst directors of these movies. Mm. Even though he's great, I I do feel like Goblet of Fire gets hated on, but I do think that he did. I think he I I don't know that he did the best that he could with the material, but the thing that I don't fault this movie is is yes, it's rushed. But they also did not like trim the runtime on this. This is actually one of the longer movies. Like it's it's about as long as those first two, which were like the longer longest ones. Give me a four hour movie. 
I'll sit there and I won't complain. It's still like a solid two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and I've said it before, but like the fifth movie, my biggest gripe with that one is it's the longest book and it's the, the shortest, shortest movie. movie in the series. Yeah. So in this one, I'm like, yeah, it's rushed and there's a lot, a lot of stuff cut out, but they also like did a lot to fill it up with as much as they could. So I think they did, you know, a decent job at it. I do agree. It's probably, it's probably one of the worst adaptations of the series, but we'll, we'll have to go, go through that. And as we go through the rest of the yeah. books and figure out that. No, five is very, very much up there. My take on five was I thought it was one of the best adaptations when I first watched it. It just felt like they cut out a lot. Yeah, they just cut out too much. And I'm just salty because they made, they they cut out what is tryout. Mm-hmm. The fourth one, though, they actively, and we can talk about this, they like actively changed the plot of this one to make it fit better for the movie. So like the scene at the beginning with his dream and it's Wormtail and Voldemort, Mm -hmm. they add Barty Crouch Jr. into those scenes in the movie. Like, he's not there in the book. Right. Um, The Ludo Bagman character is cut. There's the whole stuff with the... um, Winky? House Elf, yeah. Spew? Yeah, the whole House Elf Liberation Front or whatever. The Spew, um, Winky, that stuff has all been cut. Which is okay. I think it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. While we're on this subject, I I was going to save this to the end, but I made a list of my top seven things I wish were in this movie. Okay. Number seven. Oh, I'll just go. Number one, Ludo Bagman. Okay. I love that whole. That's in your top seven. It is. (laughs) Number two, Blast and its Groots. Those were awesome. Okay. Yeah. Three, Winky. She sucked, but she was fine. Well, yeah. When you Winky and Dobby, you know. There's so much there with the Barty Crouch story that is not, yeah, they don't go into in the movie. He's just some weird guy that dies. <laughs> number four, which really is my number one. I did not rank these. Okay, okay. Number four, Quidditch World Cup. That's my yeah. number one. Five, Charlie Weasley. The, the list is things, people, slash events I wish were in the movie. Six, Booba Tuba Puss. <laughs> Because that is my favorite Jim Dale quote mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> uh, and then Seven Spew, because that was Hermione's Miss Piggy arc, for sure. For sure. <laughs> you know what? I would only want to see the Spew storyline in the movie. Um, just to see the kitchens. Just to see the Hogwarts kitchens, <laughs> yes. That's exactly where I was going with that. <laughs> and like a bunch of house elves. Yeah. You've only seen one. Right, and they don't... They don't have Dobby's not even in the Dobby's movie. Not so that's in. another change I was gonna mention is Dobby's the one that brings Harry the gillyweed to yeah. get through the second task. They changed that to Neville. Which makes so much more sense. I agree with that. It works. I'm not mad that's about it. That's the one change in Harry Potter that I agree with, because he's a herbology dude. Right. And that's also a, a I think that's mentioned in the book as well. Yeah. That he you know, that he has that love of herbology yeah. and it's something he's actually good at. Um and that's what he becomes as a herbology professor at Hogwarts. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Somebody didn't read Pottermore after the series ended. Guess not. Uh, so, th- okay, things we wish were in the movie. Um, since you mentioned some characters, I wish we had that interaction with Oliver Wood at the, the World Cup. Dude, World Cup. Yes. I've always loved running into him again. Dude, yes. That, that's the same feeling I would get whenever you 
and all your friends, like Caleb Keener, who's going to be on the show next week, <laughs> you and him were at high school, and I was still at FCA, and y'all would come home to visit. Yeah. Home to visit at our school. Y'all would just come by the, the office, and you're wearing your whole other school's uniform. And I was like, how's it like out there, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this is adding on to, like, this is doing a lot of world building for the wizarding world yeah. in the beginning. Like you see for the first time, I think like students that Harry went to Hogwarts with outside, like outside and like what they're doing with their lives post school. Yeah. Cause it talks about Percy a lot, getting a job at the ministry, which yeah. you always assumed he would do, you know, but you, you get him like talking about like, Oh, he's, he's an assistant Mr. To Mr. Crouch at yeah. the ministry and he's doing all these things. And so you do get a little bit of a taste. Like, it, it talks about Aurors for the first time. Aurors. I don't know how to say that. But you also can see like Seamus and Dean, their other like school acquaintances and their parents. Outside of school. Outside of school at the yeah. Quidditch thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, they did a good job of showing the tent within the five seconds that they showed of the wizard cup. Oh, I love that tent. I love magic. <laughs> Probably the cringiest line of the movie. No, it's not. I got, I got you. What is it? You know what the cringiest yeah. line is? Yeah. It's at the very end of the movie, and Hermione's like, everything's going to change now, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? That's right. And then Harry just like walks over and puts his hand on her shoulder and just goes, yes. <laughs> and that's it. That's right. That's totally the cringiest. <laughs> but I was with her. I was with him on that. Oh, no. Yeah. Everything's going to change now, isn't it? Um, I wish more of the Rita Skeeter stuff was in there. Yeah. I mean, you do get... You get enough of that get in enough there, of her. but you don't get her like comeuppance at the end of the movie. Yeah. They cut that. Where she's Hermione turning is, into a fly. Yeah. Hermione like figures out she's an unregistered animagus and like basically blackmails her into like stop writing. <laughs> um, Hermione takes action in this movie. In the movie? Or yeah. In the book or? All movie book. She takes over Spew mm-hmm. and she has this whole reader skeeter like, I'm better than you. She puts her in her place. Yeah. 14 year old girl. Pretty dope. <laughs> and meanwhile, ends up dating the most famous wizard in the world at that point. Yeah. Victor Crumb. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that. Like, imagine a 14 year old girl dating the winner of the, like, the FIFA World Cup. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll assume he's 17. Ew. <laughs> Um, I wanted to talk about Dumbledore in this movie compared to the book a little bit. I don't hate it. All right. I don't. I, I think it gets overplayed some of the hate because of the one line, the meme yeah. of just like, Harry, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? You know, and just like yelling at him. Even though the book clearly states he said it. Yeah. Why are you so upset by that? <laughs> I'm taking, I'm going to die on this hill. Why do you want someone to be like, Harry, did you put the name of? Your name in the goblet of fire. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. Let's take that out. <laughs> I don't know how to compare it to the book in this one. So Dumbledore is definitely how he's portrayed in the movie is like he's not in control of the situation. Yeah. And he's like, he's actually like scared. He doesn't actually know what's going on. Which is cool. Which is different than any other yeah. one. And I would say that he's that is the case in the book that he's, he's not really sure what's going yeah. on and he's letting things play out. 
but he definitely does still feel like the same character in the book and he's a lot more calm yeah. and like you feel like he's still in control i guess yeah but i don't know it's very interesting michael gambin like plays him a lot more like unhinged in this movie and i think he gets better as as he goes on with the other yeah. movies but he's definitely different in this one he's so stressed out you know cuz he's got yeah. other principles coming yeah. but no it's like people are going to get mad at that but i invite people to understand why they're getting mad at that <laughs> just because it's not exactly just because they del- he deliberately changed what was said in the books it, i don't think that affects his character at all I, it may even improve his character honestly um well like people are just so like um 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 actually he didn't say that and it's actually like shut up you know <laughs> it happened and it's not a big deal I, I think just compared to the first two, because we talked about it about the third one, Dumbledore has a very small role like in the third one, so you don't really see much of Michael Gambon. But I liked what he did in the third one. Yeah, yeah of course. But like when you compare the fourth one to like you know the first two, the original Dumbledore, he doesn't have that same like twinkle in his eye kind of playing him. So I, I think people just kind of, that just kind of rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. But, but also like, the world is getting darker. The world is getting more serious. It's time for Dumbledore to get serious, you know? Yeah. It works well with it. <laughs> All right. Can I give you the most interesting piece of trivia about this movie I can give you that nobody knows? Nobody knows this. Not even me? Not even you. Okay, listeners. If, if you know this, I'm here to give the know. most obscure trivia I can find and just give people a little... A little nugget that they can share with others, you know? A little whiff of it. All right. Do you want to know what this is? <laughs> I do. The actress who plays Rita Skeeter. Yeah. Her name is Miranda Richardson. Yep. She is also the voice of Mrs. Tweedy in Chicken Run. I knew that. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't know that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I thought, oh, he knows already. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Nobody's going to care about that, but I just thought that was... I I was very surprised by that. I never knew that. Sounds nothing like her. I know. That's cool. I just picture Hugh Laurie as Mrs. Tweedy. <laughs> <laughs> like his oh, female man. twin sister or something. Well, go listen to our Chicken Run episode while you're at it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't even gotten into my notes, really. Okay, right, can, I, can, can I do some more random trivia that people aren't going to care about? I watched, you know, behind the scenes on this one, and there was a... Um, behind the scenes cast conversation with like Harry, Ron, Hermione, Emma, Dan, Rupert. And so they had an interview and then they had some like kids that had like won contests to like get to be there and like ask them one interview. Oh yeah. (laughs) All right. So shout out to Connor Turpin from Atlanta, Georgia. He asked each of them what their favorite childhood book was. Okay. Okay. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, at the time, he said his favorite like childhood book was Holes by Lewis Sacker. I've seen this before. Yeah, I thought that was a, like that like perked up my ears. I was like, okay, good choice, good choice, Dan. Great, it's the it's the greatest childhood movie or childhood book besides Harry Potter, of course. Um, Rupert Grant just said like the Harry Potter books. <laughs> he was just Classic. like those are the ones that like got him to read, like, which is I a don't fair read, answer. Bro. I don't read. <laughs> I only read Harry Potter books and Harry Potter scripts. And the rest of the time, I'm in my ice cream yeah. van. <laughs> Almost said ice cream machine. 
but it's a machine. Yeah. <laughs> a mystery machine. And then um Emma Watson said rolled doll books. She didn't say a specific one, but she said rolled doll books. I thought she'd just be like which something like Pride and Prejudice and Little Women, which I'm in in twenty <laughs> years from now. So there's some more random random trivia that people won't care about, but but Daniel Radcliffe, he's a real one for picking holes, I think. You know who I bet knew that fact? There's probably one guy. Connor Turpin from Atlanta, Georgia. No, 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 Georgia. The, the Mrs. Tweety fact <laughs> that no one else knew. I bet the guy that whose job was to input stuff on IMDb was assigned Harry Potter 4 and Chicken Run on the same day and was like, huh. That's all. <laughs> He's just like, oh, okay. But you're probably the first person to ever bring that up. I don't even think she knew she was in both movies. She might not have. I don't know. We're going to have to do a two-parter, honestly. Listeners, are you okay with that? Let us know. <laughs> All right, let's keep, keep it rolling here. So what do, you got, what do you got in your notes that you want to talk about? Dude, okay. We've talked a lot about the book and the differences in the book, but maybe let's just like dive into the movie. Right. Let's let's start out post because I think we talked about the beginning of the movie. Let's get like post the disappointment at the Quidditch World Cup. Okay. Of not having a Quidditch World Cup. Other than that, this is the one movie I wish to see in the f- theaters for the first time. That you could re-experience yes. that. Okay. Just because of the excitement from it, and um, you know, like it's if this movie felt like a real roller coaster because it was dark and then happy and then like crazy action-packed and then dark again it felt like more like a roller coaster instead of a kitty ride <laughs> it felt like like dueling dragons at islands of adventure or something like don't that. don't you right? mean the dragon challenge at <laughs> harry potter wizarding world hogsmeade it's always gonna be dueling dragons to me yeah <laughs> same ride actually they took it out did they i, I thought so because they replaced it with hagrid's um buckbeak's ride the the hacker ride used to be the flying unicorn. It was like a kid's ride. Yeah. Unless they expanded it. Yeah, so they yeah, they replaced it in twenty seventeen. Oh, okay. To build. In twenty nineteen when they released Hagrid's motorbike adventure, they replaced that roller coaster. I I don't know that I've been back since twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, maybe. Oh, I have. That, might, that may have been the last time I've been to Harry Potter World, actually. Last time I went was 2018, before this opened up, because I was still working at Bush Garden. They let us go in free. Mm. Anyways, um, my question is, why did they call the book Goblet of Fire? Okay. When it could have just been Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament? It was originally going to be. Um, I actually remember this like coming out. The, the title got leaked <laughs> ahead of time. So they had to change it? I don't know why they had to change it, but... Um, like there's too many cups here. They could have just left it, but I I do remember, and I even looked it up on Wikipedia, and I I think it is the case that like the title got leaked ahead of time, yeah. like before it was just known as like the, a new Harry Potter book is coming out, and it got called the Triwizard Tournament, and then I I think J.K. Rowling just like as she she was making some refined refinements, Wikipedia says halfway through the book she realized there was a massive plot hole and she had to rewrite some stuff. Oh boy, what was that? I don't know. I'm sure there's probably is plot holes still in the book, but yeah. Um, I think when she tweaked it, she decided to like change the name of it as well since it had been leaked or something. Yeah. 
but that was like my first, the first time I heard the name of the fourth book, it was like, oh, I heard it was going to be called the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. And then I heard it got changed later. And I remember that as a kid. I think they could have kept it the same. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I like Goblet of Fire. Though. I do that's, too. I, was, I don't know if it's like biased because I know that's what it has been this whole time or like what would have been a better title in hindsight. Yeah. I think Goblet of Fire is easier to say than like Triwizard Tournament. It's true. Or the Triwizard Cup. What, what's your alternate title? That one's too easy. Harry Potter and my boy. Oh man, too soon. <laughs> You know, that that moment, it's such a good quote. We say it, it all really the time. It's, it's so funny. It's so memeable. Yet at the same time, like, it is a devastating moment. Like, you feel it. It's a serious scene. That's the, only, that's the first time I've ever cried in a movie. Really? 100%. Like, the, the, the crying orchestra in the back, and all the students are just, like, in shock. Like, oh, crap, this is real. Somebody, a student just died. Yeah. That's heavy, dog. <laughs> First of all, okay. Heavy scene, crazy. Um very good filmmaking, very emotionally stirring part of the movie. Um my question is, although it is a cool this is not a spectator sport. This <laughs> cuz like they're underwater the whole time or they're in a maze where you can't see them yeah and the only one is like the task one where you can see but like harry's version like he wasn't even in the ring the whole time he was dodging it around hogwarts but like why are you letting kids watch this when they know they can see somebody die at any moment i will never understand that (laughs) like this is a cool thing. Like, I understand, like, I mean, it's no Hunger Games, but it's like, if you want, like, adults to make this the Super Bowl, like, you can go pay and make that happen. Like, and you have to be a wizarding adult. You have to be 17 of age right. to join. But it is a student school thing. Like, it just says Triwizard Tournament. It doesn't mean, like, it's, is there like a, a different one that's even more dangerous? I don't know. I think you figured out the plot hole. Like, that's, you, they, <laughs> do they sign waivers? Like, each one of these kids could be scarred and were scarred. Yeah. There's I dragons mean, that can blow fire 70 feet into the stands. You are just in, in much danger as Harry was. Yeah, there's no barriers. They're not, like, significantly away. And you're just, like, standing around watching a a lake the whole time. There's not, like, cameras. I know, they should have have had, like, a jumbotron or something, like, underwater. Like a magical jumbotron? (laughs) Like, yeah. What? Oh, man. Oh, look at that group of bubbles over there. That's sick. I bet something's happening. Uh, for some reason, I've never thought about the water one, but the maze one, I've always been like, they can't see that. It goes way too far away. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's for well, sure. They can, that, yeah. But it, all the three, well, the first two are um, the Quidditch stands, the Quidditch field, which I don't know why they don't just go into the normal stands. They just grouped off the entrance. So like, um, you know how the, the Quidditch pitch has like 
towers where people can sit and then also a ring around it. They didn't yeah. even use the towers, which they could have used the towers for that. It would have been perfect. And they could see everybody walk through the, the maze. I wonder what some of the other challenges would have been like in the past for other tournaments. So I want to do you, did you research anything about like the history of the Triwizard Tournament? No, I did not. I, I didn't either this time. And I, I wanted to. But how often does this happen? Because I was in the opinion it happened every four years. But it does, like the Olympics. I don't know where I got that. Well, because it doesn't, although it could if it happened the year before, Harry. I don't remember if the book says how often it was, but I think it did say that they had stopped doing it for a while. Okay. And that they were bringing it back. But they, like, kind of stopped because it had some controversy because, like, people would die in the tournaments. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I'm on Harry Potter Wiki. Right, was there tournament? 1994-1995. That was Harry year, Harry's year. The only other ones that are, like, noted are 1294, 1494, 1792, and then 1994. Okay, it's like so every it 200 years. Yeah. That's weird. Hmm. No wonder it's a bigger deal. I mean, Hunger Games would do it every single year. <laughs> it's not even the quarter quell. Yeah. Champions completed, competed for the honor and glory of winning the tournament for the Triwizard Cup and a monetary prize. The first tournament was held sometime around the late 13th century. And it was discontinued in 1792 due to a high death toll. What does that <laughs> mean? All four of them died? Well, it'd only be three. All three? You're right. <laughs> so, like, it's so long ago. Like... They haven't done one in 200 years. Why does it have to be called the Triwizard Tournament when you have four contestants? Just change it. The other thing is, why do they just, why do they make him compete? Other than it's like magic and it's binding. Yeah, like a spell. Yeah. They don't really go into that. They just like say that and then they just say that. Just just go with it. Well, because like un- unforgivable curses, like you'll die. Right. Well, they have they have stuff that gets introduced later, like the unbreakable vow. And that sort of stuff. Um, what's the thing in the, the Fantastic Beast movies that Grindelwald and Dumbledore can't go against pact. each other? The Blood Pact. There's stuff like that, but they don't. They don't even explain anything like that. They basically just say it's, you know, putting your the name goes in and it comes out. It's a binding magical contract. Like that's all that it says. Certainly, like the Goblet had to have known that it wasn't Harry that put it in there. So somebody more powerful than Albus Dumbledore rigged it unless Dumbledore did I feel like they should have just let him not have to do it so like in Unbreakable Vows and like um, like house elves if you command them to do something magically mm-hmm. like you can't say a bad like when creature was right, mumbling can't. stuff um, this is all research from the Super Carlin Brothers by the way I'm gonna cite them okay they were saying like uh he mutters the words, but it physically can't come out of his mouth. Mm. So no sound comes out. So you can't not do it. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense. It's a binding contract, but also like you can't do anything but do that. Yeah. I guess it makes sense based on things that come get explained later in the books. But like in this one, they don't really make any attempt to really explain it other than just saying it's a binding 
magical contract. <laughs> you could just have them participate and then not like forfeit every time. Yeah, that, as soon as loopholes. they blow the whistle, he just like takes a knee and forfeits. Dun, dun. <laughs> or like he jumps in the water and he's out right back after. Ah, I give up. Or he just gets lost in the maze first and he's like, okay, we're done. That would be so embarrassing, even if you are 14. Anyways, we'll, we're just going to move on past that. If anyone else has a better explanation of that, let us know. Um, <laughs> I have, speaking of being 14, uh, Rita Skeeter, mm-hmm. confusing Harry with the ghost of his past. Harry Potter, age 12. I is swimming with the ghost of his 14. past. Huh? I'm 14. Anyways, of course. Of course you are. I felt that because I remember <laughs> the feeling of someone thinking that you're younger than you were as a teenager. Oh, yeah. And that's the most insulting thing. What are you like? A year younger than you are? Well, especially 14 to 12. It's a huge it gap. It really is. Like, that's high school. You're talking about a 12, 6th grade. Excuse me. I'm a teenager now. <laughs> and I have been for a year. I'm not a preteen. I'm a teenager. <laughs> Give me some credit. I'm 14. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Part one of our Goblet of Fire conversation. We'll be back next episode with part two, where we get into a little bit more about the movie itself. Episode one, we kind of focused more on the book. But follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for part two. That's right, and our show art is done by Bryce Bridgman, and you can find him on Instagram at GroovyBridge. And we are also on Instagram at InsideQuotesCast. Give us a follow. Let us know what you want us to cover next. Um, if you want us to split it up in three parts, we'll do that. That was a joke. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about our childhood movies and books just as much as we have. And if you did, make sure you hit like or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Until then, we'll see you at the second task. I mean, part two. I mean, on Inside Quotes. Yeah. <laughs>